podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Inside Training Podcast, an official Hibs podcast where we speak to the key people at HTC and dive deep into the footballing minds at Hibernian Football Club. On this, the fourth episode and the first of the 2022-23 season, I'm joined by our assistant manager, Adam Owen, who alongside Jamie McAllister, David Gray and Stuart Garden make up Lee Johnson's first team backroom staff. In this episode, we'll not only get a better understanding of the important role that Adam plays in the coaching team, but also find out all about his impressive and varied career around the world as a coach and manager. Adam joins us here in the barn at HTC, at the centre of the training ground. So as always, there might be a little bit of noise, some bangs or shouts, but we'll take it in our stride along the way. Adam, thanks for joining the Inside Training podcast. Obviously, you've been at Hibs a little over or around three months now. I'm sure it feels like a, a lot longer. What's yeah. this period been like for you? Yeah, no, it's been good. It's been um, it's been an interesting period. Obviously, joining the club and and trying to integrate with the new staff. Um, there were obviously some working here before. Some have obviously just come in and and a manager and, a, and an assistant that were that worked together really really well over the last few years at different clubs. So, yeah, it's just been about trying to feel my way in really and and making sure that we. Uh, that we're, that we're looking at improving things within the club. Tell us how it all came about then, you becoming assistant manager. Yeah, so Lee, uh, Lee's somebody I've known for a, a long time actually, never worked with, but, but we, we actually used to live next door to each other when oh, I was really? at Rangers and he was a player at Kilmarnock, yeah. So it's the first time when he moved in next door, but um, it's interesting, he used to knock on each other's door in the evening when the kids, because the kids were very small at the time, and. Um, we sort of started talking. Lee was very, very interested in becoming a becoming a manager. Obviously, very early in his career, which he did. Um, and then we sort of kept in touch when he moved off, and, and obviously done very well throughout his uh, managerial career. Um, I'd been moving all over the world, but we've always we've always maintained, you know, conversations and and, and, and kept in touch. So that's how it initially come across. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was different opportunities throughout the the previous couple of years where there. Something might have been an, an opportunity to work together, but just didn't come about due to due to different circumstances. And um, it was sort of in the summer, I, I, just before the summer, actually towards the end of the season, I presented in uh, in a conference in the Etihad, mm. and uh, Lee and Jamie were both there, and um, that was the first time I'd seen him in person for the first time. First time I met Jamie as well. So um, yeah, based on that, he, he gave me a phone and said that he was interested to to speak about the potential of us all working together up here. So um, I think what I'd presented that way and the way that I've worked over the last, you know, 10, 15 years really sort of uh, aligned quite well with what with what Lee's done and where he wants things to go from him from his own managerial point of view. So so it seemed to work good, you know, really good fit for me. And, and obviously I know Scotland, I knew the Scottish, you know, the SPL. Um, so yeah, it was a good opportunity to come and work with some you know, really forward-thinking uh, coach and manager, and and that for me is really important. I was going to ask whether it was a difficult decision because obviously you were in a, a job at, at that point to to come <clears> back <throat> to Scotland as well. Is that something that you always wanted to do? Yeah, I, obviously working in Scotland for for ten years previously, I sort of knew the the football climate up here. It's changed a lot, obviously, um, and I've been working abroad for ten years. So for me, it was a a really good opportunity to come back a little bit closer to home. 
um, even though it's still five hours down the road. Um, but yeah, my kids were born in Scotland, so you know I've always had a real affinity to Scottish football. It's somewhere that I really enjoyed. You know the the football, the intensity, the passion with the fans. Um, you know a lot of really good clubs up here, and and, and a good opportunity to to come back into the game up here and and, and hopefully have a have a positive impact. Has the the role, the club, been everything that that you expected since you started? Yeah, it's been really good. The clubs the club's been really impressive in terms of. Obviously, the facilities. Um, you know, I hadn't been here before. I joined the club, so for me, it was it was really good to see. Um, there's not many clubs with with facilities like this, um, and for me, it's always been about maximising the facilities that you have wherever we've been. Because it's okay having a a nice facility, but if you don't maximise it, then it's pointless. Yeah, is that something you looked at straight away? Then, like the what was on offer in, in terms of the gym, the pitches, and how you can get 110, 120 percent out of that. Yeah, I think that's always the way, you know, whether you have the facilities or not. For me, it's about the, the method of how you work and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis that makes the impact. So, um, you know, as long as everybody's on the same bus, sort of say, and everybody's, you know, going the right, in the right direction and everybody's really working hard, whether that's from behind the scenes, the manager, assistant manager, uh, sports scientist, medical department, recruitment, chef, you know, from the from the kit department, if everybody's on board and everybody believes in where you're going and what you're trying to do, um, you know, a lot of the time the facilities don't really matter. But when you have got the facilities there as well, you can you can do things obviously that that, that you might not have been able to to really maximise in the past. How long does it take to audit that then? Because obviously, when you're new coming <clears> into a club, you've got so many different things going on. You're meeting new staff, new players. You're at a new facility. There's been a lot of change at, at HTC over the summer. Yeah. as well it must take a little bit of time to get fully to grips yeah with that. absolutely you know it's 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 very naive to think that you can walk into a football club and change everything overnight yeah. whether there's a an integration of new management team players um staff behind the scenes the methodology of work system style of play there's an awful lot of different components that need to be brought together and, and things just take a little bit of time you know if you look at some of the some of the best clubs in the world um you know, and I've been fortunate to spend a lot of time in some of the clubs over a period of time. When you speak to the to the managers that are there, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. They come in, they embed their way of working, which takes a few months to sort of get up to speed. They get the players used to it, to be able to adapt to it, not only physiologically but also from a from a technical and a tactical point of view. These things take time. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't just happen overnight. And you know, but if we do look at it from a from a psychological or a or a physiological point of view. You know, the body just takes time to adapt to a certain rhythm or intensity of training as well. So for me, you know, from what we look at with the, with the data, obviously with the sports science department here, that the, the training intensity that the manager demands is significantly, you know, significantly up in terms of certain metrics, not, in, not, in, not across the board, but certainly, you know, the way that we want to try and maximise the training capacity of the players. In my role covering Hibernian FC home and away, I'm constantly using my phone, tablet or laptop, and I know the importance of staying safe online. That's why I use NordVPN. By using NordVPN, this protects my personal data and bank details from hackers and gives me peace of mind whilst traveling and working on the move. Thanks to our great partnership with NordVPN, you can grab your exclusive deal. NordVPN's online security package with four months free by going to nordvpn.com forward slash highbees 
or use the code HIBS to get the huge discount. It's completely risk-free with NordVPN's money-back guarantee. Yeah, well, before we delve further into that, let's just look at, at your career and, and your own pathway because it's incredibly interesting. Um, just briefly outline your career for us because like you say, you've worked in a number of different roles all around the world. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, well, I started off when I left school, started off as a player at Wrexham, which is my hometown club. Um, and that really gave me that sort of first step into, into professional football. You know, I signed, signed full-time uh, at 16 years of age. We were a really good club in League One at the time before the, before the financial issues hit the club. And um, I sort of uh, played there for a few years in the academy, then obviously became full-time as a player. Always continued to study at the same time. So I used to finish training and go, go and do a night school um, in the evening because my mum and dad used to push me to to make sure that I was always trying to push myself from an education point of view as well. And that mix really sort of fell into a, a sort of real love for, for, for fitness and, and, and obviously coaching. Um, and then the manager that actually released me as a player, Brian Flynn, brought me back into the academy as a, as a coach. Um, and I started coaching with the under 11s, under 12s, pretty much full-time coaching. And at the same time was playing semi-professional um, in the League of Wales and then at the same time I was coaching full-time pretty much in the evenings whilst doing a sports science degree so it it was a real combination of lots of different things and good exposure and then from there I, I, I think I was 21 and I was working with the first team at Wrexham which was very young whilst playing whilst studying trying these different things different training drills sessions and trying to really formulate some sort of ideas about about the coaching process really as well as uh, you know, trying to maximise things from a physical point of view because I was doing a sports science degree, which allowed me to, to pretty much coach full-time as well. So um, I did that for two years and then got the opportunity to, to go up and meet Martin O'Neill at Celtic. Um, and then I worked in the academy there. I worked in the academy from a, within a coaching point of view, but also from a sports science point of view, which was fantastic. And the crossover, working with Tommy Burns and, and some really, really good people in the academy there. Um, and then jumped up to work with the reserves and dipped in and out of the first team side of things. So I had a good two and a half years at Celtic, which was great. Uh, continued my, with my sort of, uh, did my UEFA A license at the same time when I was 22, 23, finished my A license and, and did a, a master's in sports science and, and coaching, um, which was good. Again, it just added another layer to, to the coaching process of how, how I wanted to work and what we were doing and trying to understand what we were doing. And then I had the chance to move to Sheffield Wednesday at the age of, I think it was 25, to join the management team there. Another Scotsman, Paul Sturrock. Um, so I was with Paul for a period of time. Then Brian Laws came in. And then after a year in the championship, um, you know, again, big demand as a young coach, uh, working in the English championship, lots of games. I had the, uh, Walter Smith phone me and, and asked me to go up to Rangers and I spent I think it was about seven, just under uh, about seven years of Glasgow Rangers, which again was another fantastic learning curve for me at the age of 26, you know, dealing with real top players, big club, uh, the demands and obviously preparing, preparing players and, and, and staff for Champions League and, you know, successes through that, through that period of the club was, was fantastic. Um, I keep going because we then went from Rangers <laughs> to, to Sheffield United as assistant with Davey Weir, another Scotsman, which uh, he was fantastic as a, as a, 
as a leader of men in the in the club, I, 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 he was somebody that I had massive, massive respect for. Um, and obviously moved, took that move and, and for one thing or another, things didn't really work out at the club, the ownership changes, et cetera, et cetera. It was a bit tough, tough period. Um, and then I, want, I had the chance to go abroad. So I always wanted to go and work abroad. Um, and that was the, the start of moving abroad with the family really, which, which was fantastic. Again, it, it gave me the opportunity to see different things and expose myself to different countries, cultures. Um, my wife and, and children moved with us. Uh, we, we've always moved around the world together. It's been fantastic. And um, I had the chance to go to sport in Lisbon, which was an interesting one. And the manager, um, when I'd agreed to sort of pretty much go there, he'd left to go to Monaco. And then I was without a club for a period. Then I ended up going to Servette in Switzerland. And I, and I took the chance to go there really because they had a fantastic academy, fantastic setup in the middle of Geneva, um, different languages on the border for France, Germany, Italy. Um, exposed myself to learning a language which you know I wanted to be able to speak a different language because it, I felt it was important at the time. Um, so I had three great years there whilst working with the Wales national team for 10 years. Started in the under-21s there and, and obviously you know uh, I was a young coach coming through and a lot of a lot of young players coming through that system as well into the senior team and and then I moved to um, after I finished as assistant manager in Sovet after my three-year contract I moved to Poland and and uh, started off as assistant manager and became head coach in Poland, which was great, another good experience. And then I'll fast track, and I went from <laughs> Poland to um, China. Chris Coleman took me to China. Um, I worked with Chris with the Wales national team and, and we went over to the Chinese Super League, fantastic experience. I worked with some real top players over there. And then, uh, and then I went to the MLS with Seattle Sounders, like another two year period during COVID, which was very, very tricky. Very tricky without the family. Um, we got to the MLS Cup final. We won the Western Conference. Um, fantastic club, real good club over there. Um, and then I resigned because I needed to come back for the family, really. So I came back home um, and then got off the opportunity to become a technical advisor in Lech Poznan last year, which was great. Just challenged me in a different way, really. Uh, sort of sat in the technical director's role there with them for a year. It was a real, really successful year. I joined in the October. Um, I left America in the, in the summer, joined Poznan the end of September. Um, and, and obviously that led to, to winning the extra classer, which was a fantastic achievement for the club. You know, a lot of good people there. Um, and then, then Lee called me and, and here I am. So yeah. that's a bit of a world tour. <laughs> You've had a, a flurry of different roles as well, obviously, from being kind of fitness coach to coach, performance director, assistant manager, head coach, technical advisor. <laughs> You're an incredibly well-rounded coach. Is there anything that, or in those experiences, that you've enjoyed doing more, any of the roles that you've kind of enjoyed doing more than, than others? Uh, not really, because the way that I've worked over the last few years, it's really only the title that's changed, because the way that I work is, is very similar in terms of a very integrated approach, you know, maximising the, the performance and medical department to making sure that we, we do the right thing from a very scientific perspective. Obviously, you know, I've got a PhD in sports science, so I expect, you know, my background in that area, it would be stupid to totally throw caution to the wind and go against everything from a scientific point of view because yeah. the justification for what we do on a daily basis, I think, really helps the players and evolve the players from from not only just a learning point of view but also from that physical uh, physical underpinning really 
Um, and then when we when we add in the technical, tactical, physical sort of um, and psychological um, detail or justification for what we do, and I think you know over the last few years it's been it's been shown to to certainly enhance player performance, which is which is what we're in the in the job of doing. Yeah, and touching on those experiences abroad, obviously in in Switzerland, Poland, China, the US, how do those cultures, style of football? differ from Scotland and, and how did those experiences again just help mould you and, and your mindset? Yeah I think every job you go into as long as you've got an open mind every job you go into you're better you're, you're a better practitioner in the job you move into based on what's gone before in my opinion as long as you as long as you revisit you know good and bad things that have happened in previous clubs and jobs and what you feel you need to do moving forward so every job that you go to always prepares you a little bit more for the next job um, but you know people talk about football as being different around the world and they're not you know they love playing football um, you know as long as the training's enjoyable fun intensive um, they feel they're benefiting from it um, so it, of course in terms of culturally it's a little bit different yeah. obviously languages you need to expose yourself to those languages otherwise um, I find it's hard for you to build a rapport with players if you don't really make an effort to be able to speak their language in their country um, the players can understand and see that you're trying so yeah. we'll give you a little bit more um, back from that point of view thankfully you know the Scottish language is very similar <laughs> to the to the Welsh and English so um, yeah so we can understand a little bit more um, now but in terms of the cultural side of things over here you know I really enjoy the type of game it is here you know it's intensive uh, very aggressive um, and for me, it's just trying to bring that, that modern approach um, in all different areas to help the manager achieve what he wants to achieve here, which, you know, as soon as he set out the blueprint um, based on what him and Jamie had done in previous clubs and how he wanted to work, it was a, it was a great fit for me as an individual, so a, a great opportunity to come. Coming back from watching Hibs home or away and want dinner delivered to your doorstep, why not use Uber Eats? Whether you fancy a curry, a burger, a Chinese or something a little bit different, Uber Eats has you covered. Following our partnership with Uber Eats, we've got a great deal for all Hibernian FC supporters. Use the code HIBSEATS10 for £10 off your first three orders on Uber Eats. Yeah, we have to mention the Welsh national team as well. We had great success with them. What were the differences, firstly, from being in club football to international football and then as a coach how did you have to adapt what you do regularly in club football again to make sure whilst you've got the players for that short period of time you could really get the most out of them yeah that it, it's totally different um obviously you first realize that you know they're not your players when they join up on international camp so you have to understand what they've probably done the last few weeks before um understand where they are at physically how many minutes they played recently Try and treat them as individuals, um, but try and mould them all ready for the for the match day prep. So, you know, I was very lucky. I started off in the under 21s for a year, which was great, and then got fast tracked with Gary Speed into the into the senior team, and you know worked under some fantastic managers at international level. I stayed with Ryan for the for the China Cup um, before I actually moved to China as well, and um, and then obviously seeing the success that they've that they've continued to have over the over the Recent years has been fantastic, and you know, as a as a Welshman, I'm very proud to. You know, I used to go and watch them when I was a kid as a fan, and then all of a sudden being part of the, 
the, the, the, the, the backroom staff really that that qualified for the Euros in 2016, the semi-finals. You know, it was just incredible. It was like a it was like a dream come true really as a fan, but also as a, a as an employee of the FAW was it was a great it was a great period. And 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 hopefully you know that what those lads have done, the likes of Aaron Ramsey, Joe Joe Allen, Gareth Bale, Ashley Williams, Dwayne Hennessy, Gunter. There's so many to name really, but. You know that group of players. I don't think they fully understand what they've done for Welsh football until they they finish their careers and move on. But you know they've they've given the country a, an absolute incredible platform. And you know just it, 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 it because we've been uh, together for such a long time. You know we had lads at 25, 26 that maybe had 60, 70 caps. You know they had massive experience. Even though the early years we never had good success, we were getting beat quite regularly and. You know, but they come through that hard period and 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 sort of the the, the sort of tra that that transitional period where all of a sudden those players started playing for the clubs, and then we started having players at Real Madrid, Arsenal, you know, Tottenham, um, and all of a sudden they were playing and, and doing really really well, and that sort of built up to the national team really, and then every time we went away together, there was it was like going away with your mates, literally yeah. was, you know, Euro 2016 was like. It was like being on holiday, really, with with a group of pals that you've known for a long time, and and everybody was just, uh, you know, giving everything they've got, and, and and the backroom staff with the FAW that period was was fantastic as well. Yeah, you mentioned obviously some of the players' names, there, like say Gareth Bale that that you work with, but then in China, like Javier Mascherano, Javinho, how, how did you find managing those different players? So players that are at the very top, elite of the game, players all the way down to to some that people might not have heard of, for example, in Switzerland or, yeah. or even here at Hibs? Yeah, you, you treat them as individuals, you know, and I think, uh, you know, in my opinion, you get respect by, by treating them as individuals, by making sure that things are done properly, you know, just because they're big players, big names, doesn't necessarily mean that, they, that they're, they're too good to be told, that they're maybe not quite doing something correctly, you know, whether that's on pitch or off pitch, highlighting certain things to them and, and really just showing that you care about them and, and, and how you want to try and help them develop in their career. And, you know, I've been very fortunate throughout the years to have, to have worked with some top, top players, you know, even the likes of Milos Krasic was a captain for me in, in Poland. He'd won, you know, five or six Serie A's with Juventus and then all of a sudden I'm his manager and it's like, how do you get a tune out of him? So, you know, he hadn't heard of me, I, I knew about him. But again, for me, it's just trying to do the right things, trying to make sure that the the boxes are ticked. You're giving everybody the opportunity to develop and and even taking taking things on board. Like when you get the opportunity to work with top, top players, like Mascherano is a, a standout example. You know, he's I think he's the third most successful player at Barcelona all time. And, you know, the way he trained, the way he looked after himself, even at 33, 34 years of age, he was just phenomenal, phenomenal. And then, you know, you strain take things out of him, what he's done, what he liked, what he found was improved. You know, he worked under Bielsa, Guardiola, you know, real top managers as well. So again, you, you know, it can be a two-way thing where you're trying to extract information from these guys to help you yeah. um, and get a better understanding of what's done on a daily basis. So for me, it's just been, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great and I've been very fortunate to be able to, to work with some of these people over the years. Yeah, and obviously all those experiences then you bring to Hibs and the, the coaching staff here. Tell us how uh, you, Lee Johnson, Jamie McAllister, David Gray, um, put together the the training week because it, it's very intensive and it has been since you you all come in. Yeah, 
No, I think it's great. Um, you know, the manager, the manager wanted to work with this sort of gang coaching approach, which I think is fantastic because it, you know everybody is being maximised. You know, there's a lot of you know we, we've got a fantastic mix. Everybody's got their own specialist area, um, experiences, ways of doing things, and I think the key really in in the office is is the integrated approach and how everybody feels comfortable enough to be able to say what they think and and then how we mould it across the course of the training week. Of course, there's a specific way that we want to try and work and methodology, which you know, it does take a few weeks and a few months to sort of get that in place. And obviously it's been difficult because we haven't had a clear pre-season as, 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 as we would sort of suggest the pre-season would look like. Yeah. You know, it's been shoehorned in amongst League Cup games and, you know, without a full squad, you're then trying to play catch-up, you're trying to get players' minutes. They're maybe not that prepared or maybe they've they played too much and you know you can't really work them like you would like to do in a in a normal pre-season period but um you know that's probably one of the biggest downsides at this moment in time is is having that clear six week period where we we plan our own pre-season we're able to work on specific things that we want to do over that period of time and that's been probably one of the one of the biggest restrictions that i've had um throughout my coaching career was was obviously what we faced here um, how you did know. you have to work or how did you work around that? Then? Uh, because it, it, there is a balance in terms of because the games will come in thick and fast, you have to yeah. prepare and almost fast track the tactical stuff, which obviously yeah. in pre-season. No, exactly. You and also do. you're still trying to get an understanding of the players. So, yeah. you know, the manager still trying to understand how the players work, how they perform under pressure. You know, pre-season's OK, pre-season games, but they don't really tell you a lot about the players because there's no pressure. Yeah. Um, as soon as the games mean something, um, then you start to see how players react to things. So for me, it's you know it, it was a great period for us to go away together, obviously to Portugal, and but it probably it probably needed another two weeks really where we were able to just be based here and work. Um, but on the fast on the on the flip side of that, um, you know we were thrown into the games early doors and and then we work our way through it. So it's yeah it's. Uh, it felt a little bit of a survival at the fittest at some point. However, um, just having that period where we were able to, to really implement certain things. We had a good period of time here where we were working, but I think we probably would have liked a little bit more to just get where we needed to be. Yeah, and you said obviously all the coaches specialise in specific areas. In, in yeah. terms of your role and your day-to-day, -day, what, what do you specialise in? I think understanding you know, what we want to try and achieve from it um, you know, based on, on Lee and, and Jamie and Dave's input, as well as Stuart, from a, from a technical and a tactical point of view. Mm -hmm. You know, what did we see in the games? How can we try and bring that into play? Who are we playing at the end of the week? Is there anything that we've seen within there, sort of, uh, within the analysis and how we, how we bring that together across the course of the training content? Obviously, my background with a you know, from a sports science perspective, you know, we want to make sure that we're working with the performance and medical staff here um, to making sure that the players are, are primed to go. And, and to be honest, I've got to say in terms of, you know, our physical effort in the game at this moment in time has been unquestionable. The boys have, have been training very, very well. They've been given everything. There's absolutely, you know, I've been very impressed with the, with the work rate. Um, I think the next step is to just keep doing what we're doing and and try and move that group forward and, and help the group um, you know, even more as we, as we progress with what we're trying to do. Yeah. How much do you enjoy looking at that data side in terms of the players' output and then managing their load, obviously, throughout the week? Yeah, I think there's, there's probably been a little bit too much said about that over the last few years. I think people are, um, 
you know, I think we've got to be very, very careful where we are from a coaching point of view to, you know, the data's there to be respected, but it's not there to be dictated to yeah. by. Um, and I think that's a problem we've got. I think, you know, we talk about developing robustness in players and it's very difficult to build robustness in players that, that are capable of playing two games a week if we're trying to manage their load at times where, you know, we end up undercooking players because we're not developing their threshold to really go on and become a top, top player. We're actually limiting them mm -hmm. um, by wrapping them up in cotton wool at times. We end up making them worse because when they do exceed certain loads and they do keep breaking down and that's that's a big issue I've got at the moment with sports science in general but that's another conversation <laughs> <laughs> and for you have you got any kind of key ideologies mantras anything that that, that you think is almost non-negotiable as such when when you look at coaching no I think I think for me the biggest thing when we look at it from a coaching point of view you've got to be able to justify what you're doing on a daily basis um, you know, and the, the, if you can't justify what you're doing on a daily basis with the players, the players will generally question that. And obviously, the higher up the levels that you go and work with, and the top top players in the world that you manage to to work with throughout your career, you know, they know their bodies better than you know it. They know what need they need to make them tick. Um, so you have to be able to justify what you're doing on a daily basis. And if you can't, then it's just guesswork. And if you're guessing, then you know, you're know you no better or no further forward now than where we were 40, 50 years ago from a coaching point of view. So for me, just probably the biggest mantra is, is having a justification for what you do every single day. Yeah, and just finally, this Hibs team is very young. There's, there's a lot of, of talent that, that can be nurtured and, and developed. How much have you enjoyed that challenge of bringing a, a young team together, players from, again, all around the world and, and making them fit into this blueprint, this philosophy and the system? Yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's quite... The clubs that I've worked at in the past, they've always they've done pretty well with young player development. So they've always ended up, you know, whether that's been a matter of developing players and playing them or selling them on. Um, you know, we've had some fantastic, uh, some fantastic outputs with that over the years. You know, I've been very fortunate to be... Um, I was a consultant with Benfica for five years, um, which for me is the best academy in the world. Um, so, you know, being able to see the data, being able to see the players come through that conveyor belt was, was fantastic. Um, as well as Savet, you know, seeing players come through that system that are now playing, you know, all in the Bundesliga, you know, Juventus, there's, there's academy graduates that have come through and playing at that system. And a lot of it is just first team exposure at very, very young ages. But they have to be ready you know it's mm -hmm. it's not the case that you're fast tracking them just because they're young you're fast tracking them because they're good enough and they've got the capacity to be able to handle it um you know i look at look at you know the players that we spoke about you know aaron ramsey played in the fa cup final at 16 gareth bale made his international debut at 16 so these types of players are players that not only were they were they capable um but the, the foundations have been set from much younger ages so for me um you know that's what I've really enjoyed, and 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 again, the manager's got some some fantastic um, examples of, of players that he's worked with, and puts a big a big demand on young players to to go and, to go and do well and and be given the opportunity to do so. But um, that comes from the intensity, the quality, and the mentality to do it every single day in training. Adam, thanks for being part of such a fascinating podcast, and thank you again for everyone who has watched the Inside Training podcast at home. Let us know in the comments who you'd like to hear from 
in our next show. Thank you very much for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.